the one who is in charge, the one who does amazing works and is sent by the Father, the one who has died for us and risen for us, he is our hope. Do you believe in this God? Amen. Well, it's awesome to be worshiping with you here, man. There was a huge open today. Cannot wait to continue to celebrate our King. We are here to make much of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen, man. It is a huge deal that we make much of Jesus as we go along. So whether we're here in person or joining us online, glad to be here with you going after it, man. We're in a series here called Abide. And we're talking about what it means to have life in Christ. Not to know about Jesus, but to know him personally. To be able to spend time with him, to relate to him. It's not about information, it's about transformation. God rocking your world and changing you as you spend time personally with him, daily and regularly, abide. That's what we're talking about. And so we launched it just talking about responding to the invite from Jesus. Then we talked more about him as the Lamb of God, the hope for one, and now today diving in to continue and kind of put those together, hearing about him as the one where we may hear his voice as he personally communicates with you, talks with you, shares with you, and challenges of who he is. May we hear his voice and respond. So turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 10, starting in verse 22. John 10, starting in verse 22, point number one here, follow the voice of your kind, miraculous shepherd. Follow the voice of your kind, miraculous shepherd. Follow to spend time with, to connect with, to hear and respond to him. Follow his voice. So here we go, starting in verse 22, it says, at that time, the feast of dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So he starts out, he says, at that time it was the feast of dedication. Now there's seven feasts that are listed in the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus. This is not one of them, okay? This is an extra one. It's another one that came along. In fact, it's celebrating something that had happened just a couple hundred years before Jesus. So the New Testament was not yet started to be written, but Jesus starting to walk, Old Testament closed. So this is sort of a a new and adder, if you will, the Feast of Dedication. They were celebrating that back a couple hundred years before Christ, the temple had been taken back and it was being kind of put back together and rededicated to God. And in the midst of being rededicated, there was some miracles that took place with oil and running out of oil and some lights that were going. And and, then so they call it the Feast of Lights. And uh, we know it today actually as Hanukkah. Okay, that's what this is. This feast of dedication, this is Hanukkah, a celebration of God doing a work as the temple was being dedicated a couple hundred years before the time of Christ. And so Christ is walking in the temple. Everybody say, that makes sense. It's all about the dedication of the temple. And so he shows up at the temple and he's spending some time there in the colonnade of Solomon. This is like a big giant covered patio porch, huge and long. So it's winter. It was appropriate then to spend some time where maybe it get away from the biting winds or a little bit of the rain. And that's what's going on. They're spending some time underneath this covering and yet still in the temple and celebrating, all right? It says, so the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? 
If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. It says, so the Jews gathered around him. Just so you know, those words there in the original language, it's not like they came around and they were all kind of nice. It's sort of like pressing in. This sort of like crowding you in and closing in. There's a little bit of aggression in the statement. They're kind of firm in what they want. They're coming in and they're like, hey, talk to us here. Just so you know, being underneath the, uh, Solomon's portico there, the colonnade, that was kind of a regular place for some teaching to take place, just sort of impromptu. As people would walk along and maybe they were a teacher or a rabbi, others would follow with and they'd start to share. So these guys are pressing in there and they're like, time for you to share. And they're trying to put Jesus a little bit on the spot. They're like, so how long will you keep us in suspense? The original language words there, how long will you hold up our soul? The drama of it all. Are you going to tell us we're longing to see the Messiah? How long will you hold it up? And in fact, maybe not even that honest in it, because they said, when will you tell us plainly? And uh, Jesus has definitely already said plainly who he is and some of what's going on, and he's shown it. And so Jesus answered them. He said, I told you, and you do not believe. Parents, have you ever had one of those moments? You're like, how long on the trip? And you're like, just a little longer. You're like, I thought you said we'd be there. I told you, right? It's that kind of conversation. It's the, I told you, you're not listening to me. And Jesus said, yeah, I told you, you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe. Like the works I'm doing, the lame are walking. The blind are seeing. People's lives are being turned around who do you think that might be from? Like, come on, guys. You're seeing it. You're hearing it. Then he says, but you do not believe. Why? Because you are not my sheep. Because you're not my, he goes to a very common metaphor. And in fact, he's talking about a metaphor that he had just gotten done teaching on right prior to this moment. He's talking about him being the good shepherd. And the good shepherd calls out and his sheep hear his voice. And he's like, you're not hearing me. You're missing me. You're not with me. You're not my sheep. Everybody say not saved. That's what that means. It's like you're not trusting in whom I am. You're not believing in who I am. You're not saved and you're not getting it. You're missing all that's going on. If you were with me, you'd believe me, right? He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. When I cry out for them, when I call them, they come. If you've ever seen shepherds with sheep out in the Middle East, it's amazing. In fact, you can have two shepherds side by side and one will call with his call, whatever it is, and they each have their own unique call. Like one shepherd's doing that, and those sheep come to him. And the other one does sort of a similar thing, but his voice doesn't sound like it, and his sheep go to them. And they just sort of separate out. They go because they recognize the voice. Do you know Jesus well enough that you understand what he stands for, who he stands with, what he stands about, and when he calls, you know it's him calling. He's like, just so we're clear, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Notice this, you'll hear my voice and you'll get it, but more than that, I know you. Man, if you are saved, if you trust Jesus Christ, hear me, your God knows you. Your God loves you. 
He knows all that's going on. He knows the heartaches that are taking place. He knows the joys that you have. He knows the hopes that are going on. He knows the gifts that he's given. Your God knows you personally and deeply. He says, I know them and they follow me. Like they know me as well. They spend time with me. They identify with me. They live with me. They're even transformed by me to follow Jesus. It is a life-altering move. To follow Jesus, it's not to quote some facts about him. To follow Jesus, it's you taking a stand that you know the Savior of the universe. It's you stepping up and saying, I know that king and my life is changed by him and I will not leave his side. And are you standing with Jesus Christ? Are you following him and making it clear to others that you follow him? This is the call out. He says, let me go even more clear. You're asking if I'm the Messiah. You're asking if I'm the hoped for one. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. He's like, listen, for those who hear my voice and come to me, eternal life. Life that is never taken away. It is not eternal if it can disappear, right? He's like, I'm giving eternal life, life that will be forever. You heard in the song that the choir and the worship team just sung, this massive celebration of I know where I'm going. That's the promise of being saved. We can cling to this hope, life eternal, life forever with him as he basically changes our heart as he removes the sin over time here on earth and perfectly and forever in heaven. He says, I give them eternal life. They will never perish. Everybody say never. That is a massive moment. He says, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will take them out. Our promise is not in and they will stay really good, good enough to keep earning their salvation. Everybody say not that. You may have been raised in a church that teaches salvation is something you maintain on your own. Notice it here says, I will never lose them. Jesus Christ, our hope is in him. He's like, I'm holding on and no one is snatching them away. Dude, this is a power passage for eternal security. This is a massive statement for saved and not losing the salvation. Ready? And all of God's people said, make sure you hear these words loud and clear. My sheep hear my voice, they follow me, I give them eternal life and they will never be snatched away. May God get all the glory. This is our hope, man. This is the king we worship and celebrate. The one who gives us promise of eternal life. And when that life is given, that is a life changed forever. May God get all the glory. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. He's like, let me be clear. I'm promising that God the father and God the son are doing a work. Put your faith in them. Our faith should not be in ourselves, in our own works. And some of the teaching of churches today, it becomes, man, make sure your works evidence and are good enough and you're earning and be careful I understand the challenge. There should be fruit if we're following Jesus and doing that. I said some words and there's no fruit. That's not the plan. Everybody say, not that. God will affect your life. 
and he's walking you on a journey and it will change you one bit at a time, but you are on a direction to heaven forever if you are saved. That is our hope. Our God and Father and Jesus the Son, no one's more powerful. It says, and no one can take them out of my Father's hand. And no one's taken them out of my hand and no one's taken them out of my Father's hand. Like there is absolute hope when we are saved that no one will snatch them away. Everybody say no one. Secure, saved in him. He says, I and the Father are one. Now for those who are saying, when are you gonna tell us plainly? (laughs) Why won't you say I and the Father are one? Just so you know, that's pretty clear, right? Everybody say that's clear. He's like, hey man, I and the Father, he's like, I am God. Just so we're super clear, he's delivered it up with clarity and we're gonna see how that rolls out in just a second. The reality is we have a hope of being able to trust in our king and we have a call to be able to follow him and to listen to him. You know, this past week was Pumpkin Fest in Morton and we're uh, uh, better known as uh, the World's Fair, right? <laughs> and, uh, and what perfect weather. Just phenomenal this week to be able to go out there. And it's been a long time since we've had that kind of weather. Cool in the evenings and you could wear like a sweatshirt and just be comfortable. It was great. And uh, so we got over there a couple of times. This was actually, we rallied as a family on Wednesday night to get together and uh, took our grandkids out there. And, and it was fun to watch um, our kids with their kids, right? So our grandkids and Everett specifically going on his first rides. We thought last year would be but dude, they have some serious height limit. That's pretty limiting. So getting into the twos is probably kind of necessity there, but he got into the twos now and he's just about the right height. And so he was able to go on the, you know, it's like 36 inches and he's like, pretty close to that, you know what I mean? And they're like, good enough. So he's allowed to go on and I watched Matt go over to him and he's like going with them and you could see everybody is so, I mean, eyes just so wide. He's like, I'm ready to do this. What do I do? You know, and as Mac walks him over and you can't, no parents with him. That kind of freaked me out a little, I'll be honest. I'm like, seriously, why don't we make rides big enough for the parents to go on? You can be right there with. So Mac's got to get him in and cinch him down. He's like, here's how it's going to go. Just set an expectation. You're going to go around in a circle that would be so fast. It would make all adult males sick, right? Just spinning around and it's going to go. And we're going to watch you go around on this and we're going to tighten this down so you don't fall out. Please don't undo this, right? And you tighten the buckle for for safety, so we're setting expectation, we're getting safety, and he's looking over and he's like, this ride is terrible, as it's just sitting there. And he's looking at the other rides going, he's like, this is not fun. And then all of a sudden it starts up. And he's like, yes, I've never seen bigger eyes in my life. As he looks over with this beaming smile, this is awesome, and he goes around and around. I'm not, I am not kidding. I had to look away, I was so dizzy just from watching him go around and we're taking a couple of quick photos and and then after it gets done, he's ready to get out. Hang on, hang on, dad's coming. And his dad comes over and undoes the buckle and gets him out and they walk out and he's like, next ride, let's go. And it was just a blast to watch him. Every ride, learning, growing, having fun, being safe in it as he followed the instruction of his dad. Man, here's the deal. As we walk through life, Our king is right here with us. And he's like, listen, hang on. Here's what to expect. This is where we're going. 
Like, just buckle down a little. This is what's going to make it safer. This is the way we're going. Come with me on this. Watch this thing go as he's right there alongside of us and all of it's going. Man, that is following. As we listen, as we respond, as we take the direction, as we understand the safety, as we look to him beaming, smiling, and celebrating as he gives to us, do you know your God this way? Are you on a journey in this life where you're saying, Lord, I am ready to follow you? You're in charge. May you get all the glory. And this is our hope. Simple question. Do you know your king and follow him like that? Beaming, hopeful, looking. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen. Point number two, point number two, trust. Trust in Jesus as the son of God and receive eternal life. Trust in Jesus as the son of God and receive eternal life. Now remember, Jesus just got done saying, listen, some are hearing my voice and some aren't. Listen, you're not getting what I'm saying, so let me say it clearly. No one's gonna be snatched out of my hand. I and the Father are one. He just got done saying, I am God. And so the Jews respond. It says, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. They're like, tell us clearly who you are. Here's who I am. Yeah, I'm gonna kill you for that. That's what's going on. Literally, they picked up stones. Why? Because saying you are God, well, if you are not, that is utter blasphemy. You're not allowed to lie, and you're certainly not allowed to claim any Godhead unless you are. So they have a real big problem right now. Either he is God, and it's time to bow, or he is not, and then he's blasphemed, and it's time for him to die. Old Testament law, he needed to be stoned. And so they're like, yeah, we will not believe. It's time to stone you then. That's where they're at. Jesus answered them and he said, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? He's watching them pick up stones. Is this how you would respond? People start picking up stones to kill you and you're like, let's talk to them. <laughs> this, is his, this is his response. So why are you looking to stone me? Which good works are you gonna go after? What did you not like me doing? As Jesus puts the challenge down to them, and they said, it is not for good works that we are going to kill you. <laughs> By the way, listen to this conversation. Oh no, we're gonna kill you. It's not for good works that we're going to kill you. It's not for that, but for your blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. He's like, look, why are you going after me, man? You're seeing me do all these good works. And they're like, yeah, it's not the good works. It's the words we don't like. We don't like who you claim to be. You are lying about God. Jesus answers him and he said, really? Let's just talk about this for a second. So let's make sure that you're understanding your own scripture. He says, it is not written in your, is it not written in your law? I said you were God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, well then what's going on? What is this talking about? Psalm chapter 82. God is talking to the leaders of Israel. And there's a term used for God, Elohim. It means powers. There are many powers. He's talking to the people been put in charge. And God says, look, I've put you in charge. You are the powers. 
And it's almost a play on words as he uses a word that would have been used for God. He's like, I've called you gods, if you will, little g. I've called you the one with powers. You're in charge, sent by me, right? He says, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, there's no mistake there, right guys? That is what just happened, right guys? You do see that God used the terms God in verse one of Psalm 82 and son of God in verse eight. It's like, you understand this, right? And scripture can't be broken. These ones are sent by the father and they're doing God's work. And so he uses the word gods and son of God. Do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into this world that you are blaspheming because I am the son of God? Son of God? He's like, do you say of him whom the father just sent? Everybody say that's Jesus. Are you seriously gonna say to me right now that I'm sent by the father and doing the father's work and you're not gonna let Psalm 82 apply? That's what just happened. He's like, listen, you wanna quote passages? You wanna talk about Old Testament? Then talk about this. How do you explain the allowance of one sent by God the Father as being there on behalf of God and him using a term like sons of God? What are you talking about? He says, if I am not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe. He's like, listen, if what I'm doing is not good, It's not awesome, it's not in line with who the Father is. Well then I get you turning away. But how could God the Father be appreciating and approving of what I'm doing if it's evil? My simple question to you is, don't believe if you don't want to. Why are you making the works a problem when the works are not a problem? Where are you at with this? He says, but if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works. Jesus is like, listen, I've told you that I and the Father are one. I've told you that I'm the Son of God. I've just about basically told you I am the Messiah. Here's what I'm asking you. If you can't handle the words, handle the works. Note that there are people walking that could not walk before. Note that there are people seeing who could not see before. Note that there are people's lives being changed, that the word of God is making sense, that we're seeing Israel come alive. Note God's work and see what's going on. Have your eyes open to what is happening. He says, if I do them, the works, then believe in that. Man, do you believe in Jesus? the one who is king of the universe, the one who is in charge, the one who does amazing works and is sent by the Father, the one who has died for us and risen for us, he is our hope. Do you believe in this God? Not just in what he says, but also in what he does. Jesus calling them, wake up and see what I'm doing. He says that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Man, my works show there's a massive unity between God the Father and God the Son. Do you see it? Again, they sought to arrest him. They're like, enough of this noise. Let's try to put it to a close. It says, but he escaped. It doesn't even say how. Did everybody get all confused and there were too many people and he just sort of said, excuse me, excuse me, and parted through or was there this massive blinding in a moment and something like that or we don't really know what happened. Somehow Jesus just went, hey, I'm gonna take off. Now's not the time, you know? And he just wanders on and it's done. He escapes from them in the midst of them trying to hold him accountable. This is our God, man. 
It was not the time for him to go to the cross yet. And so not yet is what happened. Everybody say God has a plan. And this is the God we trust in. Man, may we hear his voice. May we see his works. May we be in awe and trust his claims. Do you know this king? Are you willing to hear his voice? Trust his claims and follow him. Are you willing to take a stand with him and not back down? He is the Messiah. He is the son of God. He is the miracle worker, the life changer, the message from the king. He stepped down from the heavens and stepped into this world. He is our God. Do you know him as your savior? May we take a stand with him and with no one else. He is our God. And all of God's people said, may we follow, may we trust. And point number three, may we believe and be baptized. It says, he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained and many came to him. He went a little bit north and east from Jerusalem. He went over to the Jordan River back where John the Baptist was baptizing. Everybody say baptizing. So he's heading back to a spot where he's beginning to build together his followership. And as he goes back over to this place, there he remained and many came to him. They came to hear what he had to say. They came trusting in him, the God of this world, the light of this world. They were in awe of his works and they came listening to him. It says, and many came to him and they said, and John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man is true. John said, I'm preparing the way. John said, behold the Lamb of God. John said, this one is the answer for Israel. They're like, we're in. We're trusting in Jesus with all we've got. You have to remember that for a Jewish person to walk away from the Pharisees and to walk with Jesus put his life in jeopardy. Everybody get that? Like this is a big, everybody say it's a big deal. Like all too often we talk in America about following Jesus and we're like, and I don't want it to cost me anything. Just so we're super clear, these guys are putting their lives on the line. Are we ready to stand with Jesus no matter what? It's getting to a point where we might have to start making those kinds of decisions. Where we as a church are going to have to say pretty clearly, are you with Jesus? And you personally are gonna have to say, I am or I distance. Men, may we stand with Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. Stand with him. He says, many came and they trusted because of it and they were hearing his voice. It said, and many believed in him there. They admitted that they were a sinner. They believed that he is God Almighty alive. They believe that he is God and they confess him as Lord, you're in charge. They believed and they were saved as they were trusting in him. 